Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Dude, I just really like, uh, I really love Tarzi's vibe. Man, same. Tarzi, so to me, Tarzi just felt like so safe. Like I felt like, honestly, in that conversation, I felt like I could tell her anything and she would have that kind of smile on her face and she would go with it and she'd go wherever we wanted to take it and she would have good information and just a real, like a real connection. Like she's like, when we talk about safety and ethics, this is, this is a great conversation uh, to have with her. And she's got the, she's got the, the credit, the credibility to do it. Right. She's got all the certifications and shit. Yeah. She's a master's in counseling psychology. She's uh, been in this space for over 20 years, uh, not just uh, with psychedelics, but just with uh, therapy and counseling as yeah. well. So, and like you said, Doug, there's an element of like, this is the exact person I would want to uh, guide me in a same. Journey. Same. I'm. Th- I'm thinking about. She called it Alberta, right? I'm. I'm thinking about taking a trip up to Canada and and meeting with. I mean, she's awesome. That was. I loved that conversation. Yeah, and I. I think. I mean, we've stressed this before, but it's just such an important one to have um, yeah. in this space. If you're thinking of, you know, getting into the psychedelic space. Um, just approaching it with that care and caution and safety that is needed for, I mean, your life is precious. I mean, I, this might be our only one. It might not be, but regardless, we're, we're here for something probably. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love when she talks about like finding someone that you're comfortable to guide you. Like she gives, I, I won't spoil it, but she gives some really uh, like good visuals of who that person should be. Right. Like, cause we get into it. We talk about pretty much, I mean, we talk about it all tonight, right. It's, uh-huh. it's a good one. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is one I think y'all enjoy. I hope you enjoy as much as Mike and I enjoyed uh, talking to her. She's Tarzi for president. She's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be good. Um, and then just like a couple of upcoming dates, we've got the Mormon psychedelic symposium coming up on April 22nd. So just explain that a little bit. It's on zoom. I think we're going to have five different panels, most of them featuring uh, women. I think there's a, the focus to highlight women in the psychedelic space, in the Mormon psychedelic space. Uh, yep. Doug, you and I will be doing a panel, um, you know, just getting up there, yokeling around. <laughs> just yokeling it up, man. Just yokeling and stroking. Like it's going to, I mean, yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> we want to hear, we want to hear voices of, of women and also I mean, what about middle-aged white men? Don't they need a voice in these type of things? I so we will be there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, two middle-aged white boys starting a yeah. podcast. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it'll be and it'll then, be fun. And then also the 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 solstice coming up. Uh, uh, the, the solstice event coming up June 24th through the 26th. Uh, 
information on that can be found on the website. And that's going to be, I mean, it's going to be bigger and better than last year's. And our camp is going to have a, what was this, like a fairy theme, like a, a wood, woodland fairy, fairy, what is it? Yeah, we can, uh, have enchanted the forest, kingdom. enchanted forest, fairy kingdom, fairy kingdom. There we go. That's right. Yeah, it's gonna be good vibes. You know, <laughs> love it, man. Love it. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, and then you know, we're sitting here drinking some kombucha, Doug, you and I. And yeah, yeah. Hey, y'all, if you're out there and if you if you're so inclined, buy us buy us a kombucha. You can hit the Venmo at, at Mushmore M U S H M O R. Like, hit us up. Buy us I mean, a case of kombucha. Buy us one kombucha. Uh, I mean, one thing we found is that, you know, as the podcast grows, the costs grow too, don't they? <laughs> yeah, man, no kidding. This is, we're, we're in a different space than when we were just you and me t- talking with no microphones over the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you're appreciating what, you know, uh, what we're doing here on the podcast, we love doing it, but uh, a little energy would be, would be appreciated. Also, if you appreciate it and don't want to send any money, we accept that. Or if you don't appreciate it and do want to send us money, we accept. Or if you don't appreciate it and don't want to send us money, we accept that as well. So just do what you want to do out there. We accept a lot of things, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> but as this episode will show, maybe you can say no to a whole hell of a lot of things too. And you right. should. For your Boundaries. 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 Right, I'm trying guys. to get more syllables into my words lately. Have you notice that? You're trying to Lin-Manuel Miranda it, I guess. Is that what you're trying to yeah, do? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I like to, like, maybe in the past I'd say boundaries, like almost like two syllables. But now I really want to go boundaries. I'm trying to find a way to get a fourth oh. syllable in there. Because so often I shorten my words. Like I'll say perf or the ridge or something like that. But I'm trying to get some more syllables in there too once in a while just to like change it up. Uh, you're always you're always full of surprises. <laughs> always full of surprises. All right. Enjoy this episode, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye. Well, Tarzi, we spoke a couple, I was maybe a couple weeks ago in advance of this and leading up to this. And I just really loved your vibe. Uh love the energy you're you're bringing to the space. And so, I mean, I guess we could start a little bit with um. We like to drop people in like mid conversation. So that, yeah, we're not going to do like a bunch of, so tell us about yourself and who are you? All that kind of stuff. We'll intro and then just drop it in. But I am curious to start, like how, how did you get into the medicine space? How, how did, how did this become kind of something part of your path, I guess? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, my path with psychedelic anything started when I was in my early, early twenties. Um, I wasn't one of those people that experimented with any substances other than, you know, alcohol when I was a teenager type thing. And, um, and then when I was in my undergrad, just got, you know, started to be more exposed to different scenes and people and things like that. And, um, yeah, just got really curious about what psychedelics were about. Definitely was into kind of the music and the festival, scene. So those kind of intersect a lot. Um, and I just was always, um, kind of a a person that was really interested in existential thought and big life questions and, um, spirituality and, you know, what makes people's experience meaningful. 
And so, um, yeah, so I started kind of, you know, dabbling, I guess, lived experience and definitely, you know, trying different things, um, even if it was in the, you know, kind of more of the party scene type of thing. Um, but also at the same time, when I was in my early 20s, I also was in school studying, um, you know, psychology and sociology and various different things like that and ended up, you know, starting to work in counseling when I was in my 20s. Um, and so there was also a natural kind of feeling of like, oh, this isn't just, you know, kind of fun party time, have a nice time. But I started to notice that there was things that I was working on and, you know, looking at in different ways. And then that's when all like there was just emerging things that were happening a lot in the United States with um, groups like MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. I started, you know, going down to Burning Man where there was some of that kind of stuff going on too. Um, and, uh, so it was kind of like just this opportunity to, to find out about the intersection of, you know, mental health and healing and psychedelics. So I was kind of coming at it from a couple different angles. Yeah. Well, and this is fascinating to me because, um, you did, uh, I guess, try when you were, I guess, a little younger too, I guess in your early twenties, you were saying, cause I've wondered about this. A lot of the experiences I hear from people when they were in their early twenties is, or even as a teenager is, oh, it was all, it was fun or it was a dark trip or it was a scary thing. Um, not necessarily, you don't hear the words healing very much at that age. And I don't know if it's an, it's, if it's a maturity or an age thing, or if it could be similar to, um, so I'm studying uh, Jungian psychology and Jungian psychology, they talk about is psychology for later in life. Like you've kind of gone out there, you, your ego's led the show for so long, you've achieved stuff in the world. And then you think, oh, wait, why am I not satisfied? And then you start going inward, but you almost need that. I mean, as far as like Carl Jung thought, you needed those ages of like, of where you almost like the heroic part of your journey, where you're going out, you're conquering the world. And then in any great hero myth, the hero has to die. And that was a, this is a long way of kind of saying, do you see that a lot? Like with, um, can younger people also heal with psychedelics or is it more, is it more of a, a mid to later life kind of thing? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think, um, the trend that I see, um, you know, and this is even apart from kind of you know, the psychedelic world is, um, people that get to a particular age and realize kind of the, um, the sort of structure that they were in, uh, whether that was, you know, childhood or um, adolescence or young adulthood, they kind of realize, well, that, so I'm going to be expressive here. That was fucked up and that's not working for me anymore type of thing. Right. And so it's like trying to um, re put, you know, putting something else you know, together or a different kind of scaffolding or sort of changing their narrative. And I mean, sometimes when you're in your twenties, you're kind of just, you know, figuring yourself out. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of exploring. I mean, definitely that was, you know, my kind of thing too. It was like, let's check this out and find out what the options are type of thing. Right. But I think for a lot of people, um, it, I think it depends on their, you know, kind of where they're at in the process, right. Like just because somebody's, 21 or somebody's 40 or 60, I think it really, really depends, um, you know, kind of what sort of um, the pre-context was, you know, maybe, you know, kind of the resources they have, 
what kind of support they have around them, that type of thing too. And kind of what they're open to, right? Like one of the things we know about, um, you know, kind of the, you know, having positive outcomes with psychedelic experiences, somebody's openness and ability to have insight. Um, and so that's not really determined necessarily by age, but kind of, you know, more sort of a, a whole sort of bunch of different factors, right, too. So, and even when you say to like, you know, can things be healing? It's like, what do we know about healing? It's not, you know, kind of an end goal. It's this long sort of, you know, loose trajectory of crazy nebulousness, right? Yeah. So um, healing can be little parts of things, you know, kind of along the way and people do it, you know, in this stage and then maybe a little bit more over here and a little bit more over there. So it's a very fluid sort of a process. So I don't think healing is necessarily one thing either. Right. I mean, it's not like this chronological thing of like, okay, I'm on this path to healing and I just, I just go along and it's this linear thing. And then, oh, I'm healed. It happened. Like it, it happened for me. Right. It, it doesn't, it's like this, it's like a cycle and you loop around sometimes and it's two steps forward, one step back, all that kind of stuff. I love, I love, I would love to talk, like pick your brain about sort of the ethics in the space because you're, you're, you've, you've got sort of the traditional schooling, you know, the, 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 the counseling and psychology, but also you you, this other world, you work with people who are using psychedelics for that journey. What are some of the, if someone is interested in, you know, my therapist recommended psychedelics to me. She, she couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't, but she was just like, I think this might be a thing for you to like, she, you know, she wants, but what are some of the things that people should look for when finding a guide like you, like when, when they're out there trying to, you know, do that process of, 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 you know, warming up to someone, figuring out if that's the right person. What do you, what do you see? What are some of the common things that you see out there? Yeah, that's such a good question. Cause I think too, um, you know, just a couple kind of pre comments about that. Um, one is that, um, I mean, there's so much attention and information and articles and <laughs> podcasts and things like that. <laughs> so there's a lot of demand, like there's a lot of interest, right? And so what do we know when the demand goes up Then also kind of the, the supply of potential people that are, um, you know, thinking they can offer this as a, a helper, healer, guide, therapist, sitter, what have you, right, kind of goes up. And there, right now there is no um, uh, legislation uh, or governing body that sort of, you know, kind of um, looks over or sort of supervises this particular field right now, because a lot of the work is, um, you know, there's some work that's above board and then there's lots that's still um, underground, right? So it's, it's un you know, regulated, which right. is, there's a risk to that too. Right. Um, and, uh, I think the other thing too, that happens is, um, you know, for, we know that with mental health, with depression, anxiety, you know, various kinds of things like that, sometimes people get really, really desperate because they're like, I've tried all these things. And so they'll just kind of take whatever. And so, um, the things for people to look for, one of the things that I'm really, really passionate about, and this is also for, you know, I've done, um, you know, training and education for other therapists and clinicians and that kind of thing is um, how do you as a client or a potential person that might be considering psychedelic work, how do you know that the person you're asking is um, has kind of done enough work themselves, right? So that could be, do they have experience with the medicines? Did they do a two-day retreat and now they're hanging out their shingle as a therapist or guide or something like that? What's their sort of 
um, you know, past experience or lineage, even with working with something. Um, the other thing too, is there can be all different kinds of folks. There's, you know, people that are more clinical, there's people that are self-taught, there's people that, you know, obviously in more indigenous traditions that follow shamanic, you know, kind of practices and things like that. So not all folks that offer this work are the same. There's tons of differences around people's training and backgrounds and qualifications and that kind of thing. Um, so it's really, really good to find out, you know, how, you know, asking questions like, how did you know that you were able to do this work? And have you taken courses? You know, have you been supervised? Have you been mentored? Have you had some sort of apprenticeship to make sure that you know kind of what you're doing? Because on the one hand, like things are so popular now. So people think that they can just kind of go and run things. But, um, you know, I think it's it's a very, very delicate thing. Um, you know, basically, basically potentially blowing apart somebody's ego type of thing. And, you know, you might want to have some background in that when you're, when you're kind of offering this work. Um, so being able to ask, you know, like different questions about the person's background, um, personally, professionally, um, also things about, you know, safety and how, how does a, a sitter guide therapist, what sort of protocols do they have in place? What sort of things do they go through with somebody to make sure that um, somebody is safe to take medicines. And that could be things like, are they on other medications that might interfere or affect that? Um, do they have a history of mental health issues? Have they ever been suicidal? Um, do they have family support? Is there anything that's kind of like, um, you know, what we say contraindicated, right? Where it's like, you know, maybe this isn't the right time for, for that person. So really getting to know, you know, kind of how somebody works and also, you know, why they're doing what they're doing too, is that, you know, are they there to, to, you know, cause it makes them feel good and it's kind of an egotistical thing, or is it like, you know, they genuinely believe in healing or, um, you know, just some of those other kind of pieces too. Um, it's a really big question, I think of, of trust as well. Um, you know, I always say to people that, um, you know, kind of ask, you know, whether that's, you know, asking of me or asking anybody else, um, you know, would you, you know, this is such a vulnerable personal uh, experience. I put it in the same category as, um, you know, if you're considering someone to, to sit with you, um, would you want that person to be around you when you're um, giving birth, dying, having sex, going to the bathroom um, or something else that's so personal, right? And even like just, you know, that it can be a very visceral body experience type of thing. Um, it's that level of trust. It's that level of closeness. It's that level of, you know, real, you know, emotional, psychological and spiritual intimacy. So you don't want to do that with just anyone, you know, and, and sometimes two people say like, well, I want to do this with, you know, my friend, or I want to do this with my partner or, you know, somebody I work with or whatever type of thing. And it's like, you know, how do you feel about having that much vulnerability out with that person? Right. Because, um, things can come up and out too in, um, non-ordinary states. Like people can, you know, get, you know, kind of have regression or they can have something come out and like, you know, are you going to be okay with that kind of in that space? Um, yeah, yeah I can see more, but there's, there's all, no, there's, it's just a little bit of a start, I guess. So. I mean, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I, I got so much in me right now. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just, I just want to comment on this because there's so much info and, you know, Doug and I haven't been in the psychedelic space very long, but we've met, you know, in our journey, a lot of different people. And we're at a weird spot right now 
with psychedelics where it's almost like this, I, I kind of go back and forth between this, obviously the, the things you just discussed about safety and knowledge and as someone being able to, you know, why are they practicing uh, this or why are they uh, holding space for people or what kind of training do they have um, versus like a gatekeeping approach too, you know, um, where, you know, if you think of it as if psychedelics are going to become illegalized eventually, which I think they will in some form or at least decriminalized, are you going to be able to go to like your therapist and they're going to be able to give you, you know, sit on a, a, a couch and take psychedelics? Maybe, but is that is that even too clinical for psychedelics, right? Do I, I or do I want to go with a guide out into the woods, someone who's maybe not doesn't have a, a lot of uh, worldly training, but has a lot of experience with the medicine, or is that person because they don't have a lot of like psychological training going to know what to do if I have like a bad trip, you know? And so it's this balance, and I don't know where I fall in the spectrum of it. Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> Oh, totally. And I think it's a huge conversation, you know, kind of within the, you know, the bigger, you know, therapist interested sort of community, right? Because we know that, um, you know, people in various cultures around the world, you know, have been using these kind of practices for thousands of years and they don't have a master's degree in whatever type of thing, right? But when we look and and I guess my bias too is like, and this is kind of how I was trained by people that, um, you know, a lot of my kind of mentors and elders, it was like, these are extremely potent medicines. This is something that you should highly respect. This is something that you need training and understanding, you know, some of the nuances of it. Um, and so it's not for everybody, right? And, and we know in the very indigenous traditions of these medicines, even something like psilocybin is that, you know, if you wanted to use it or have access to it, you know, you kind of had to, you know, show that you were ready. Um, and that if you wanted to work with it, you know, and, and offer or serve people, you had to have apprenticeship, you know, and, and they, and, you know, your, your mentors and your elders got to decide, um, if you had, you know, kind of, you were ready and if you had that ability and if you could kind of handle it and whatnot too. Right. So I think that's the part is that in our culture is that we're, we're missing sort of that, um, I know there's kind of that risk of gatekeeping, but we're missing that part about, the apprenticeship, the mentoring, um, you know, supervision, you know, kind of that collaborative um, approach. And I, I know there's lots of people that are very, very um, passionate about creating those um, almost like a community of practice where it's like, how do we decide that we're ready to do something like this or whether it's, you know, taking it or sitting with somebody or something like that. Right. Um, and the thing that we know from looking at various things that have happened um, you know, over the last several decades is when these things are, you know, everybody kind of goes wild. <laughs> That's when, you know, sometimes things get kind of clamped down and there, there are more restrictions that happen, which we don't want to happen, you know, this time around. Right. So I think, but it's this really weird thing where it's like, you know, this polarized, you know, like, do you have to have this level of training, you know, and training can be anything type of thing. Right. But just, um, you know, just how do you, how do you know that it's kind of the right thing? And, and the problem is that right now we have the absence of some of those structures, um, or processes about just like, how do you know? And like, how, how are you ready? You know, in, in various contexts. Gosh, 
I love that. By the way, I, I got to tell you, I love, uh, first of all, the balance. We're, we're talking about that balance between gatekeeping and, and, and wanting people to have these experiences and also looking for really good and um, I, 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 well-trained or, or well-mentored guides is, is, is such an important thing. And I love that you talked about that vulnerability thing. Uh, I think you said giving birth, going through a death, going to the bathroom and having sex. Cause there is, it's that vulnerability thing. And I, maybe the word is uh, like transference. Like there's that thing where you're in such a vulnerable state. This happens with, uh, you know, therapists all the time. And I think it also can happen in this, in this psychedelic space where you're so open and so vulnerable that you can uh, convince yourself that you've fallen in love with your, your guide or your therapist or something like that. And it, it happens so frequently where people like, I, I mean, it ha- like me, uh, I, I, I t- took psychedelics for the first time and I had this amazing heart opening experience. And I was like, gosh, I want to help other people do this. But then as I got more experience, I was like, I don't think I'm the right person to be a guide. I'm happy to be there and participate and be a, maybe a helper or a participant. But I think it takes a special kind of person who knows how to set very strong and clear boundaries and also how to identify some of these things that come up in those vulnerable states. I mean, that's such good imagery of like fucking shitting, dying, or giving birth. Like if you are okay with a person being around you for that, maybe that's the person that you can help that can help you, uh, you know, guide, to guide you through this experience. But man, if that gives you kind of pause, or if that gives you like a little bit of like, Oh, I don't want this person to see me, you know, shitting my pants while I die. <laughs> like, yeah, avoid them. Right. Like you, this is the worst part about me is I sometimes don't have a question, but I just love the way you navigated that balancing solid guides and the vulnerability that comes up in these what sessions or, or experiences, I guess. Um, I, 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 nothing I said drove the conversation forward. So I'll ask, I'll ask the question of you. Um, what was your experience of like, okay, I think that probably, I could keep the above board stuff going on, but I want to help people out with this, some of this underground stuff and some of this subconscious deep work. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because, you know, as you were talking before there too, I think what happens, you know, for a lot of people too, and this is, you know, various different backgrounds of folks is this, this whole field, it's really fucking cool right now. And everybody and their dog wants to be part of it. They want to, you know, like I've heard so many stories where it's like somebody has a journey and it's like the medicines told them like, Oh, you must work with this. Right. And it's like, well, maybe let's just not decide that, you know, kind of right away type of thing. Cause a lot of people have that. Right. Um, and uh, I think too, it's like, um, you know, for me, I definitely had that, like when I was, you know, kind of younger, it was like, well, you know, this is what the cool kids are doing kind of thing. And I, and I was just like eating up so many of the possibilities and research and can I go to this conference? And, you know, it's kind of, this, there's a lot of like, even, even for me at, at, you know, a younger age, it was like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to be with those, those, I want to be one of those people <laughs> kind of thing. Right. And then what happened for me too is, and, you know, and this was kind of similar to, you know, things that I've learned from other people is when you learn, when you actually understand how powerful this can be sometimes it's also like 
holy crap, like maybe I'm not ready for this. Like, am I, you know, some, some, <laughs> right. So sometimes as you find out more, because first it's like, Oh, you know, we're going to have an experience and it's going to be this nice time. But then when you fully understand the gravity that sometimes this can be, you know, like, it's like, then that happened for me too, where I was like, I thought I was ready and I'd been doing some work for a long time. I did a lot of work for many, many years, um, you know, supporting people kind of more in a crisis response and kind of harm reduction scenarios. Like when things were, the shit was hitting the fan, like at events and things like that. Then I moved into more of the, um, you know, kind of the intentional, more of the therapeutic clinical, that type of thing. Um, so, you know, seeing kind of like what can, can go wrong type of thing also gave me a really good basis of like, wow, you know, like what's the, what's the other side of that going to be. Um, and I think that's the thing is we need to be like, you know, just hold things in huge respect. And I think there's also this ethical piece of really making sure people are informed about what can happen. Because one of the things that I notice is people that don't have a background of lived experience, like they haven't sort of dabbled, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, they don't really understand that vulnerability piece as to like, you know, you might let a lot of shit out and, you know, how do you, how do you kind of like handle that? And how does the person that's with you kind of handle that? Right. Too. So I think that's um, really important to let people know, here's, here's some things that you might be feeling. You mentioned about boundaries. That's a huge one. Um, I've, I've noticed too, that, you know, if people aren't really aware of those counter transference, transfer pieces, like, when they work with somebody and it's like, Oh, that person reminded me of, you know, my ex partner or my mother, or that person reminds me of, you know, some part of myself, right. You really have to be able to identify those things and, and name it and, you know, kind of process it and work with it. So, um, I mean, there's the, there's the experience of the person who's undergoing the, the medicine journey, but there's also this other really interesting piece for the helper, the space holder, the, the therapist, the guide, because oftentimes the interaction is is very you know deep and personal um, for everybody. So it's also important for people to be really clear about you know kind of what comes up for them as as helpers. Because of course you know things can be a little bit impermeable sometimes. Yeah. So we chat a little bit about you were talking about um, some of the stuff that can go wrong. What are some of the things that can go wrong in? Uh, ceremony or a, whether in a group or individual. I mean, I, we've hinted around it or not even just hinted. We've mentioned a few, but like, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things is also like, yeah, I mean, and you mentioned kind of groups too, like, um, you know, just, just things that kind of transfer over. So one of the things too, that when somebody is in a non-ordinary state, um, you know, another, another kind of place, you know, and that's, physically, energetically, psycho-spiritually, whatever, obviously when you're, when you're altered, right, you're not as aware of sometimes your, you know, your body or your behavior, uh, you know, things kind of get a little loose sometimes, right? Um, and especially if there's other people around, um, sometimes things can kind of get activated in, in a different way, right? So, um, and I, I definitely find, you know, the more you kind of work with, with those um, possibilities beforehand, as opposed to just kind of jumping in. I think that's when a lot of, you know, like problems happen is when um, there haven't been kind of more careful conversations and kind of time spent to say like, 
you know, do we feel safe with each other? You know, what happens if this happens? What kind of an experience do you want? Um, so, but I've definitely seen, and, you know, sadly there's numerous instances of, you know, things that have happened in, you know, various contexts, whether it's, you know, one-to-one situations, therapeutic situations, um, not, not as many where it's like actually kind of the carefully controlled, like in clinical trials and things like that. Um, you know, with people that, you know, where it's more, um, kind of contained, there's less, um, kind of instances of, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, whether just something that's unwanted or boundary violations or kind of ethical, you know, any kind of violations or anything like that. But um, people can just really, you know, be, you know, acting in different ways and things like that. If it's a group of people, there's more chance of um, people's stuff kind of leaking, you know, all around kind of in the, in the container or in the space. Um, And definitely there are lots of instances of um, harms where if there is a, you know, a guide, a sitter, a shaman, a whoever, right. If they have a particular, um, you know, maybe some shadow stuff of their own, some of their own kind of, you know, personal past material, or they just have, you know, a particular sort of ego kind of piece kind of going on, they can affect and project the things that are happening in that space with, you know, the people that are under influence, Um, and, you know, I think it's also really important to talk about the physical environment around safety. So, um, you know, are you doing a session in, you know, out in the bush somewhere where it's very isolated and there's less access to, you know, if, if somebody needs medical attention or something like that, or is there a session happening with, you know, a couple people in a, in an apartment where there's other humans around or there's a balcony, you know, just things around kind of safety in the environment. Cause there are things that have, you know, happened where somebody, you know, feels unsafe or gets, you know, a bit, um, you know, triggered or even a bit psychotic and they, they run off and, you know, um, sometimes people have to contain folks. Right. So, Um, you know, I've, I've definitely seen, you know, in terms of working at festivals and things like that, all different kinds of behaviors, um, you know, because I think what happens is people's stuff comes out and if the environment isn't conducive to holding it and it's, it doesn't feel okay for them, it sort of exacerbates everything that's going on. So, I mean, I've seen at festivals, people where they're, you know, take all their clothes off and start running down, you know, the field and, you know, flailing and thrashing and things like that. And generally we don't see that in psychedelic <laughs> therapy when, you know, you've kind of done the work at, you know, kind of putting it together, but um, you know, the, the more sort of random and kind of uh, you know, just throwing things together it is. Um, and, and not, I want to say necessarily recreational, but there's just less thought of sort of safety and, and kind of uh you know, being carefully, you know, an experience being carefully curated, right. Um, when it's, when it's kind of a bit more random. So, um, yeah. And so, yeah, you said too, like boundaries and things like that, you know, just even all the things that people can do when they're in an altered state together in a group, like you can imagine all of the possibilities, (laughs) good, bad, and indifferent that can come up with that. I'm glad with boundaries. We're talking about that because I think that's something with as ex Mormons, we have an issue with, um, is boundaries and very susceptible to narcissistic behavior and, uh, predators, I guess, in the, in the environment. And, and just one more thing here before we get into more, uh, I even had an experience once where I was in a cacao ceremony and the cacao is not a psychedelic at all. I mean, it's very, I mean, some people might not even feel it. It's like, 
it's heart opening and it's expansive. But I was in like a cacao ceremony. There's maybe like 30 people and we're in this studio and I was feeling horrible in that. Like I was felt awful. I needed to get out. I couldn't breathe. I I went out. I felt like I had to throw up. I just sat on the curb outside this yoga studio and just started crying. I look around, there's like five or six other people doing the same thing. And I don't know, there's just something to the there was something in the energetics of that space weren't right or something was something was going on there. And that was just with that was not with a psychedelic. That was just with a mm-hmm. kind of a heart opening. It was with chocolate, for God's sakes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just kind of I mean, you amp that up on psychedelics, it's a whole it's a whole new game, you know. Yeah. And I think we never know really. Right. Like, you know, I mean, we've probably all seen or experienced things where, you know, it was nothing to do with psychedelics and people can have all kinds of, you know, reactions and behaviors and responses to things that are evocative, right. And in many ways, shapes and forms. Right. And, and, you know, what we know about just the way that, um, you know, um, sort of stress or shock responses work and, or trauma responses, right. Is that people have less control of, of what comes out or, or they don't really know what to do. And, and then it's like, do the other people that are there, are they able to kind of, you know, have they had enough life experience to be like, Oh, okay, this is what you need right now to, to kind of make sure that, you know, we, we kind of bring in the safety again. Right. So. Yeah. I, it's funny. We're, you know, we're talking about uh, preparation for the, I mean, the safety in the space, I guess. And I, you know, talking about festivals, Mike and I have had a couple of experiences at festivals where it was the best time ever, like opening up our hearts and our, all of, I mean, lighting up all our chakras, lighting up our minds, our, our spirits. But we've also had times at festivals where you're talking about that rough time where it's just like, you don't know people's intentions and you don't know what people are up to. And you, Mike and I were getting separated and we thought that was kind of weird. Why are we getting separated? And what, you know, we end up, you know, someone's air conditioner from their RV is blowing in my eyes and I feel like I'm going blind. It's just all sorts of weird <laughs> things that can happen. But I'm, I'm curious if there's uh, almost like, I mean, I, you don't need to get, it's not a checklist, but are, are there things that people can do leading up to a ceremony, wherever the setting of, of that ceremony might be to prepare themselves for obviously safety ethics are our number one kind of concern here, but are there, are there things that people can do to prepare themselves to feel safe, to prepare themselves for whatever might come up or, you know, all of those different awesome, good feelings. I'm open. I, I, I'm, I, I am God versus like, Oh shit, I am in the dumps and it's a spiral and I'm having a rough time. Or are there, I don't mean to put you on the spot Tarzi, but are there things that people can do to kind of leading up prepare for that? Well, I think even just some of the things that you said there too, like just knowing, right. Too, like, um, I think oftentimes, you know, and definitely in this field, there's the the concept of, um, you know, kind of bypassing, like, I, I feel like shit and I want to take this thing that's going to take me away from all of my difficulties. Right. And we know that that's not generally how not the case. healing yeah. or anything works. Right. So, 
So even, you know, and, and I'll definitely ask people, you know, if, if I'm working with people where they're preparing for, you know, some kind of experience or journey, or even I'm, I'm sometimes I assess even to like, is this person, you know, is this a good idea for this person at this time? Um, so the things that I look for is, you know, what is their relationship with their, you know, their personal material? So what is their understanding so far of, you know, who they are, how they came into the world, how everything kind of, you know, operates together type of thing. Um, do they have the ability to have some, some insight? Can they take responsibility for some of the process? Can they actually even like, you know, just questions about introspection and, you know, personal awareness and, you know, kind of their, their understanding of themselves, like, can they hold a mirror up to themselves? Right. Um, can they get some feedback? Are they open to kind of like a reflective conversation about like, Hey, how do I come across in this way? Or like, can you tell me, you know, how I'm doing or like, what do you think of me? You know, like, can they, can they sort of play around with that a little bit? Um, that's kind of a bit of the, you know, sort of maybe, you know, emotional and psychological. But the other thing is too, is we know that this isn't an up here brain up in the head process. So the other thing that I really look for, and even just in regular therapy is how, what kind of a relationship does a person have with their body and their nervous system? And do they have even any concept or understanding of, you know, how they can use different tools or practices to help regulate themselves? So even things like, can they be attached to their breathing in a different way? Like, are they able to kind of like, if something kind of percolates up, that's a, like a feeling or a memory or some kind of inclination, what do they do with that? You know, um, can they, can they kind of make space for that? Do they have capacity to sit with something that is difficult or uncomfortable, but then just kind of like, let, let it sort of hang out, you know, do they, do they have a lot of urgency or, anxiety about that or can they look at something and be like huh that's you know I don't really like that but I'm just going to kind of be curious about that for a little bit right um yeah what kind of you know do they have you know and I think people can practice different kinds of tools and just like you know that kind of I guess for lack of a better word like that sort of like personal navel gazing kind of thing because I think for people that want to um you know are interested or they're curious about psychedelics it's like a lot of people, if they don't have experience, they sort of think of it as this, you know, this thing that's going to be a sort of like a cure in a bottle or something like that. And often what it is, is being in connection with themselves. Right. So it's like just even asking some of those questions, um, you know, beforehand, like what, what I'm, what am I looking for? And like, you know, how do I, you know, what kind of a relationship do I have with these different sort of pieces, you know, of myself? Um, definitely things like practicing, um, you know, breath work or meditation or just any kind of like, you know, guided exercises, you know, any kind of body centered work. Um, you know, one of the things I ask people is how will you be, um, you know, in your body potentially it could be this quiet process. It could be something where you're moving around. It could be, you know, you might be, you know, floating around in the stars, or you might be just kind of hanging out with yourself for, for many, many hours. And so, you know, what does that bring up for you? And, you know, how do you think that will, will be? Um, so it's just even kind of knowing that, you know, you have to, <laughs> you have to pay attention to and respond to the things that your body is doing and telling you, and that's for sure going to be part of any psychedelic experience too. 
One thing I want to touch on is, um, you know, the kind of the shadow side, and we touched upon it a little bit when I was talking about like the narcissistic behavior and stuff. And um, in fact, uh, you know, you were mentioning it's unfortunate we don't have more of a kind of a, a mentorship or, or, or a way for guides to train with other guides and really uh, a kind of a shamanistic rite of passage in a way. And there are centers and schools and lineages that are doing that. But unfortunately, as what happened with, uh, you know, one of the reasons why you're here, Tarzi, is we had to pull down an episode um, because of controversy surrounding a particular school. Uh, a particular lineage that was doing this or still is doing this. And I hope they continue doing it in a, you know, a more centered, uh, more aligned way um, because we need that. But um, yeah, it's just a little disheartening, I guess, you know, that um, it it is a space for such tremendous healing and potential for it, but also the potential for so much harm too, uh, for people to prey on other people and, uh, yeah, you're just in a very susceptible state. And so um, I know there's been similar scandals, I, I guess, uh, in in up north in, in Canada where you're at. Um, so I don't know if there's a question, but let's chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, even just like trying to understand, you know, like uh, that's why I think, you know, it's it's important to talk about these things in a, you know, not this isn't just like everybody needs to do this and this is the greatest thing ever. And, you know, just go out and, try this at home kids like you know and some people well lots do and you know that's that's mostly usually okay but i think this is going to you know maybe sound a little bit more on the on my kind of woo woo side but you know when when you have something that's you know very positive and transformational or there's just a lot of potential with it right it's like wow yeah you know let's not gatekeep like if many of us have benefited from this you know, shouldn't this be accessible to, to more people? And, you know, can't we, you know, sort of work with that to make sure that people do have those opportunities? So there's this, this huge, like, wow, like, what if? But then also we know that, you know, things balance out. And when things are happening in that big of a wave, there's also this other underside kind of that comes with it too, right? And so, and people's, you know, shadowy stuff comes with that too. And it's very... I don't know, kind of enticing, I think, for some people too, to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be, you know, that guy and I'm going to fix people and I'm going to heal people and I'm going to be this, you know, psychedelic guru or something like that, right? Like it's, it's very enticing, I guess. Um, And, you know, like that's just sometimes something that happens for humans too, where it's like, you know, there's a certain need that gets fulfilled by some people too, whether it's, you know, just, um, you know, attention or, you know, kind of, you know, feeling like they're, know kind of that that person or you know they get some sort of gratification from um you know helping people in some way shape or form and i think yeah we all can know about you know kind of the dangers of that that can happen especially when it's you know um there can be power differentials there can be you know weird sexual stuff that happens with people um like those boundary violations you know like uh, there can be things like if somebody's your friend, but also they're kind of your helper and, and you're doing medicine work together, like if it's kind of really unclear, like sometimes that can be a bit weird for people too. It's like, well, they're a shaman, but we're also kind of, you know, maybe we're having a relationship or like, you know, it's my friend, but then I disclosed all this stuff to you. Like, you know, things that we're not really used to in our culture, like how do we kind of make sense and kind of order that too, right? And that's why I think it's so important to have, um, 
you know, other groups of people and networks and um, people that you can ask, like, is this okay? Should this be happening? Or this weird fucking thing happened and I need to be able to talk about it. And, you know, one of the things we really know is like any of this stuff that, you know, is a bit shifty. It's like, we need to, to bring it out and talk about it. I think we're still really, really kind of young in terms of even knowing like when there has something that has been something happened, that's been, you know, harm or the perception of harm or whatever, like, how do we work with that? How do we deal with that as a community? How do people learn and grow from that as opposed to just kind of drumming somebody out of town and then like shut the box and we're never going to talk about that again. Right. So um, I think we're still figuring that out, you know, even in the, the therapist community, there's, you know, lots of, you know, these stories of transgressions and, and people just don't really know, um, you know, kind of what the right thing to do is. And um, yeah, and there's lots of polarization about, you know, what should or shouldn't happen. So it's really confusing for people for sure. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's, it is polarizing, right? I mean, the more potential for experiencing the beautiful or the, 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 the lovely, the more potent, I mean, the more exposure to maybe the ugly or the, or the underbelly there, there can be. Right. So I am curious about your opinions on, you know, Mike had mentioned earlier the the decriminalization, the legalization, all that kind of stuff. Sounds great. Like put it on paper. Sounds amazing. Like let's all get kind of like tripping and feeling peace, love and harmony. Let's do it. But then it also becomes like currently right now in the United States, you can buy stock in psychedelic companies. And so then I start thinking, and then I go down that path of like, oh shit. Okay. So this becomes like the big pharmaceuticals. It be, it becomes like anything else. I mean, we, we talked about maybe the inappropriate relationship type stuff or the, you know, impropriety that can happen on that one-on-one or that group kind of setting, but on a more global scale, I, I go back and forth on this. I'm curious about both of your opinions on this because it does become a thing of, okay, suddenly it's like, you can go to the, you can go to, you know, get diagnosed or get prescribed. You got to do psilocybin. You got to do three and a half grams of psilocybin and here's your thing and go ahead and here's do it. But then also with that comes, well, now there's billion dollar corporations that are mushroom corporations, you know, that kind of stuff. And that just leads to the same, uh, you know, forgive me, but it leads to the same capitalist bullshit that kind of permeates our society. So I am curious, the two of you know more about this stuff than I do. What are your opinions about that? Yeah. And, and part of it too, is whether it's the, the small, you know, kind of setting, even if it's, you know, one therapist or like some big conglomerate, you know, these various clinics that are coming out of the woodwork and stuff now, like we can't forget that we still live in a society where if you need something, there's a whole bunch of people that'll take your money. Yes. <laughs> right? yeah. So, yeah. so, so by the way, beware of that. Right. Um, and even the things that are happening, like, you know, in the States and Canada right now, there's all these various kinds of clinics that are popping up, um, you know, kind of, and some are capitalist venture and some are, you know, this and that, and they're doing things in a, you know, very above board way, you know, with things like ketamine and whatnot too, that are, you know, completely, legalized and whatnot too. And they're, um, you know, they're designed to be very, um, you know, kind of open for people that, you know, it, it feels like a medical clinic and, you know, it's, you know, they have various processes and there's, um, medical supervision and oversight and things like that. Right. 
Um, so it's a very, very different environment than, you know, something kind of smaller and a little bit more, you know, informal, but, um, we know that, you know, there's still businesses, right? So it's like looking at kind of the bottom line around what motivates, you know, people. And um, I think a lot of things are coming forward now about people just that, you know, that have business backgrounds and they sort of see psychedelics as kind of the next, the next cannabis, you know, sort of thing. Cannabis also has kind of paved the way for, you know, I think some of this um, legalization and uh, decriminalization work too, but we also know that like psychedelics are not cannabis. Like people can use cannabis all the time, quite regularly. Whereas psychedelics, hopefully, you shouldn't be using them every day, type of thing, right? So, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see what you know, what the you know some of those differences are too. But absolutely, like people, I think see this as the next thing, and everybody wants to get on board and you know make money from it. And I just think, in some ways, it is the antithesis of. Um, the, the ethos of what psychedelics are, it's like, really, I mean, they are, they are quite um, indigenous or indigenizing and one of the absolute, um, you know, kind of, a, I guess I could say for lack of a better word, like kind of a dialectic or an opposite of that is like, you know, being in touch with something where you're, you know, you just, you're taking care of the system or you're taking care of the earth, you're taking care of nature you know, things are in an orderly way versus capitalist. I'm going to make money and I'm going to, you know, squeeze all the resources out of you. I'm going to, you know, sort of um, take from you. And we've seen that even too. It's interesting because I've, I've even experienced that where um, people want to come and, you know, talk to me or people that I know and they want to get, you know, sort of like, give me the goods of like everything, you know, and I want to just, uh, you know, kind of pick, pick what, pick what, you know, and I want to use that in my, in my, uh, you know, my kind of recipe to have a, the best, you know, business practice. And it's like, Oh, don't, I don't think how that this isn't how that works kind of thing, but there's a lot of that going on for sure. Oh, right. So it's like, it's this, this interesting, like, uh, you know, again, you know, a lot of us really believe in, you know, open access and, and, you know, kind of that freedom of, people being able to have this as an adjunct to some kind of, you know, treatment, but also it's a business, somebody's business. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a, a bit of a mind fuck. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, yeah. It's such a mind fuck. I'm, I'm picturing this like stuffy, like board of directors, you know, sitting there with like their executive summaries and like looking at the bottom, looking at the numbers, you know, and they're like, God damn it. We need we need to get more product out. We need more people having an, a spiritual awakening and getting more in touch with maybe their interaction with the earth and the way that we use Mother Earth's resources and trying to become a little bit more one with themselves and, and needing less and wanting less. Like, I can't imagine this board meeting, I, you know, and like, you know, they, they're having a coffee break, you know, and they're kind of talking like, what were the third quarter numbers? It's just weird to me to to think about what legalization means. Yeah. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just. <laughs> no, not interrupting. I mean, uh, the, the only thing I can say about it, I don't know why Doug, you thought I'd know more about it. I don't know jack shit about it, but like. <laughs> um, Come on now, dude. The, uh, if I'm looking at, if, if it goes the way of weed, you know, as someone out here in California, I can say the golden era of legal weed is so much better than it was before right like 
I'm glad I don't have to go buy weed from a 16 year old kid or a soccer mom or something, you know, like I can, <laughs> I can go to the, these dispensaries and yeah, there's some corporations, you know, selling the stuff, but like, um, and it's not without its shadow side as well, but, uh, I love being able to just drive up to dispensary and buying weed, you know, uh, and having all sorts of different types and flavors and methods to choose from and don't have to feel scared at all about getting busted for it, you know? Um, and so hopefully it's something similar to that. I know, you know, in Amsterdam, I think it's like the truffles are legal and I think it's similar to that. You go and you pick golden, golden teachers or your, your brand and your style and that. And so, I could get down with a world like that if it goes that way, but if it's more stuffy and more controlled, which it could be, especially maybe in the United States, you know, um, or even the route of, you know, like I know even pushing like a synthetic psilocybin, which it's like, come on, that grows from the earth. It's like, yeah. <laughs> why do we anything synthetic, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's the, on one hand, it's like, we know that, you know, not everybody wants to go into some, you know, guys basement kind of den where it's like, you know, kind of sketchy and who knows what's happening like in, in terms of any, you know, or they don't want to go to a festival and, and, you know, or they don't want to, you know, they, they want to feel like it's going into a medical service where there's that kind of quality control, whether it's um, the product or the service that you're receiving. Right. So that's why even, a lot of the, um, the psychedelic and the ketamine clinics, you know, that's very much their kind of look and feel. Um, and, and we know that, you know, there's the need to have, you know, kind of that, that oversight and, you know, making sure that people are trained and that there's a process and it's not kind of, you know, willy nilly type of thing. But I guess the other side of that is, um, you know, this idea that, you know, you could go into a clinic and kind of get a, a psychedelic oil change type of thing. Like you're just going to kind of go in and, you know, maybe over, you know, an hour or two, go get a ketamine flush or something like that. Right. Um, and then it's like, you go out into the world and continue on. And, and I guess what, um, you know, some people in my field, I guess, are sort of, there's this worry about like, um, making it very, um, yeah, making it really professionalized and depersonalized where, you know, one of the things that we really believe in and we know around, um, any kind of good psychedelic work is that it's, it's, it's bigger than just, you know, the, the therapist client kind of thing. And, you know, maybe that more traditional biomedical model, like we know that there's a lot of problems with that bio biomedical model in the traditional health system. Right. So it's like, what else are we doing to make sure that people have more connections and community and continuity than just you go to a service and it's a very, you know, indiv individualized, um, you know, kind of experience type of thing, right? Because that's, that's very, very different than kind of the ethos of psychedelics, which is, you know, this is bigger than just you and you're part of something. Um, and, and how do we kind of make sure people get connected to something like that versus, oh, I'm just going to this clinic alone and kind of suffering in my own sort of process. Yeah. And that's a tough one. I, I love... <laughs> My, like my mom, I would love for my mom to experience psilocybin. I think it would be so beneficial for her. But like you said, Tarji, she's not going to homeboy's apartment and listening to his experimental album that features his 13 minute harmonica solo. She's, I mean, she's not doing that, you know? So I don't know. I, this, this is a tough nut to crack. I, I, I think about this 
more than I probably should let my brain explore it. But it's like a weird, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing to navigate. I think. I don't know. Yeah. And, and a lot of people too, aren't comfortable with things that are illegal. Right. And like, you know, maybe if you have, you know, uh, like in Canada, we have these exemptions that you can go through if you have, you know, kind of, if you're working with a doctor or, you know, a therapist or something like that. And, you know, health Canada will grant, you know, maybe you might, you might get this, you might not, or if you're a palliative patient or something like that, you know, there's all these emerging things around, um, being able to get access to things, but, you know, so a lot of people, they don't, they don't want to, um, you know, take the risk of that. It's also very, very difficult to find people like to find, you know, you can't, there isn't a, you know, just Google in your local community who your, you know, who your options are type of thing. So it's like this weird, um, you know, you have to go out and kind of find resources and find somebody to talk to and, maybe there's a psychedelic society somewhere close to you, or maybe there's a, you know, a group on Facebook or, you know, you guys or something like that. I see that from a lot of people. It's like, well, you know, there's, there's no word. There's, it's not like there's a a listing of, you know, the yellow pages or something <laughs> like that. Right. So where, where, where do people go? And that's, and that's kind of coming back to some of that safety, you know, kind of pieces too. Right. Because, um, just because somebody, you know, you hear about somebody, how do you know that they're, you know, like a good fit for you and stuff like yeah. that. Right. So. Hey, you two, I'm, I got to sneak out. Yeah. Please, th- Tarzi, this has been so awesome for me. I, this is the, this is the worst time for me to leave. So thank you so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh yeah. We'll Absolutely. wrap it up good, Doug. We'll, we'll get it going. Yeah, I know you will. But uh, again, Tarzi, thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. Bye. Bye y'all. Love you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's several more points I want to hit on if you have a, a more time. Um, yeah, because you know, just um, well, it's fascinating because for me, you know, I I entered the psychedelic space as a middle aged man, right? Like, so I think I was what? How old was I? I don't know, late thirties when I did my first journey, thirty eight, thirty nine, maybe. You know, as an adult, uh, can have a lot of uh, access to. I, you know, I can be picky. I can be choosy. I, I, I can do a lot of, I did a lot of research before I did any of these substances. So I knew what I was getting into. Um, and I felt safe doing them. I'm watching the show. I, I don't know if you've checked out the show euphoria yet on HBO. I've only seen the first episode and it was, yeah. It's pretty horrible. right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did this thing where I was working late one night and I, uh, you know, if I, if I work late, I can't just go to bed afterwards. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to be thinking about work the whole night. So I'm like, I need to unwind. I don't know why I picked euphoria to unwind. <laughs> like I should have picked like Seinfeld reruns or something, but like, uh, um, but it did just kind of open my eyes to the other side of the medicine. See, I mean, that's the other, other side, right? Like, um, but I mean, let's be real. These are substances. They can be dangerous substances. They can be uh, healing substances. You know, we used the word healing earlier. They can be so beneficial. I mean, they've changed my life. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm here today and having this podcast and talking to you is because of the magic of psychedelics and uh, when used with intention and, uh, and also with fun, if, as long as you're being safe, you know, um, I don't want to take the fun out of it and say, you always have to be so serious about it. But um, what was my question there? I don't know. <laughs> what have you seen before? You said you saw the first episode, but um, 
I don't know. I, I, it's kind of, and this was, uh, you know, I, I, this was actually just a few days ago when I was watching it. And so it's, I guess it's kind of fresh on my mind that it's like, it made me re it kind of revisit the podcast and be like, okay, are we, are we at least giving the message enough that be careful, be safe, be smart. Um, that's what yeah, I, mean. I think also too, like just even, I mean, the very little that I know of, you know, euphoria, it's also like, um, it's like with any, with any substance, with any, anything that sort of like, or any, I don't know, anything that's, you know, I guess it's like this, this the sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of thing, right? Like people can use things in various different ways, right? Like we can use things to um, escape or enhance or explore. Those are usually the three kind of areas that I, and I, you know, and, and various, you know, kind of even sub kind of categories within all of those. But I think even understanding, you know, like for, to, to promote understanding or, just awareness of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I need to course correct? You know, how am I doing kind of thing, right? Like, I think just more of those kind of conversations and even just looking at, I mean, again, euphoria, it's like unpacking, you know, people's, you know, where they've come from, what they, what happened prior in their life. And then having a lot of, you know, even just understanding or compassion about like, well, this is what was going on for me. And so this is what I was trying to mask or hide or cope with, or, you know, whatever, deal with, escape, whatever. Right. And then, you know, the ability to kind of, you know, maybe move away from that and kind of clear some of that out, I think, you know, and, and I think, you know, for people that maybe haven't had that, you know, if they're, you know, coming from a situation where they, you know, had a very, you know, more prescriptive life or they, they felt like they weren't, they didn't have, you know, maybe autonomy or awareness or the ability to shift things in their life. Right. Or, you know, that whole, like, if you don't like it, change it, or you know, how do you know if you should change it like that? That's not everybody. Right. Too. So, so just trying to promote for people that, you know, they're, you know, psychedelics are just one tool. There's all, there's a whole bunch of other kinds of things that you can do to shift shape, you know, work on gain skills, you know, right too. like just looking at things like, you know, this isn't, I think the, the whole field of psychedelics is not about psychedelics. Like that's just a tiny little piece, right? It's like all of the other kind of things sort of surrounding that. And like, you know, that self-awareness and like asking for help and, you know, getting real with the people that are around you and taking responsibility and, you know, things like that. I love that escape enhance, explore. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I kind more of, too, but yeah, but sorry, there's probably more too, but you know, just looking at, you know, how, how our relationship is with different substances. And then of course, you know, some of that is cultural context and, you know, just kind of what we're around and stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking back to, you know, journeys I've done and, and, you know, usually the good thing I think is sometimes with psychedelics um, is usually if you're doing it for that first reason to escape, they're not the most effective way to escape usually, right? <laughs> um, they usually can kick you on your ass at that point, but um, yeah. Yeah, and I think too, like, I mean, you know, and, and I guess, you know, I mean, one of the things I should say, like full disclosure, like, I mean, I spend a lot of time, you know, doing stuff that, you know, it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm going to work on myself. It was like, I wanted to feel good. And like, 
see cool shit and like go out and dance and like, you know, just ha- like have a, have a fun time. Right. And it was like, it kind of made this, um, you know, it, it was like, I wasn't ready to kind of like do the the deeper work type of thing. Right. So it was like, I, I stayed in the, you know, the fun kind of happy times for a while. Right. And sometimes there was some crossover there too. Right. But um, it was like, I, you know, it was just a different stage and different place in life and obviously different, you know, context and things like that too. Um, and, and I think that's okay too, right? Sometimes yeah. that's, you know, like that's part of it. And, you know, like, I think the other thought is that, you know, sometimes working on yourself and shifting things and changing things like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of bullshit sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't feel very good to like unearth all these things and have to look at parts of yourself and be like, oh my God, I got to open up that closet and kind of dig around and <laughs> clean it up yeah. in there. But I think, you know, any of these processes too can also be amazing and and beautiful and fun and it can feel good. And sometimes it can be, you know, gentle. It doesn't have to be this like, you know, kind of thing. Right. So it's, it's okay to also, it's okay to feel good too. Right. It's okay to, you know, to, to get in touch with, you know, different sensations in your body or like realize you have a body, you know, and it's connected to everything and, you know, wow, it's cool to be alive. Like, you know, look at, you know, look at that cool shit over there. Oh my God, I get to live this life. Like, isn't that amazing? You know, just stuff like that. And it seems a little, you know, kind of, you know, flowery type of thing, right too. But I think that's the thing, you know, is like to, to hold on to some kind of, you know, this remembrance of joy in some way, shape or form too. Like really, you know, we gotta, we gotta grasp on that sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I think it's especially true for people, uh, you know, like ex-Mormons who grew up so fast, you know, I mean, Mm. um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with how, uh, we were raised, but you're baptized at a young age, like at eight. And then you, uh, receive responsibility for men. That's called the priesthood. You usually receive it uh, around the age of 12, uh, which is like at the age of 12, you're given, they call it the, you know, the power of God. And so it's like, yeah, and you better be good. You know, you better grow up. Yeah. Yeah, no (laughs) pressure though. And so, yeah, some of my most magical trips have been the times when I'm just wanting to have fun, you know, and um, and not even fun when you were saying saying escape, enhance, explore. I think even the first one, escape. Sometimes it's fun to escape, you know. I think you have to you have to ask yourself if you're always seeking to escape. Okay, what am I trying to escape from? Yeah, but if you're being safe. And every once in a while, you're like, you know what? I kind of just want to escape. I want to go explore the stars for a, a bit, you know? And you do it in a safe environment. Beautiful. Yeah. And and we we know that, like, you know, our um, our systems, you know, at some point, you know, it could be the day, in the day, or just, like, you know, being a family member or coping with the pandemic or whatever, like we get overloaded, right. We get overwhelmed. It's like, I need to escape, you know, whether that's, you know, taking a trip somewhere or like, you know, being on your phone or, you know, do watching Netflix. Like we all, we, everybody does things where it's like, I just need to take a friggin' load off. Right. So it's like that. I mean, we, that's a normal coping strategy for sure. Right. Like too much. I need to just back the fuck away from this and recenter or like, just, just have less, you know? So I think that, you know, 
I mean, yes, we know when, you know, like you say, when it's a little bit more, you know, kind of problematic or interfering in somebody's ability to kind of live a full life, right? Like that's a different kind of a thing, but yeah, we, you know, I mean, I think humans are, we, we also are really good at avoiding pain, right? We know when something's too big that we need to change it, right? Because otherwise we just get worn down and all kinds of weird stuff happens and we don't, you know, kind of defend ourselves enough. I mean, it still happens a lot of times in, in my therapy sessions where I'm talking about, you know, I, I try to extract meaning from everything and I get into this, you know, it's so serious and just like, well, yeah, but I learned this, this, and this. And, you know, my therapist is really good to always remind me, but did you have fun? Was it fun? You know? And I was mm. like, yeah, it was fun. And then like, it was fun. And even fun can be healing. And she says, yeah, but fun can also just be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but with that in mind, with the safety thing, um, we've hint, uh, we've talked about it a bit during the episode. But so, if you're someone wanting to explore this realm, are there any red? Are there some red flags that you would look for or try to avoid? And I think we've hit on it, but maybe it'd be good to kind of discuss a little bit more now. Just like red flags, things to avoid. And and you, were you saying uh, like red flags in terms of like, um, you know, a, a particular context, like being with somebody else or just like even your own, like, am I ready for this kind of level of, of work? Maybe. Could we talk about both for a minute, I guess? Like one in turn, like if, if I'm new and I'm thinking, you know what, I, I want to explore psychedelics. Are there things I should ask myself before I say, okay, I'm ready? Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the things that we, you know, kind of talked about before too, is like, you know, if, if something, and this is something that I ask people a lot is like, you know, if something difficult comes up for you or something that you feel like, oh my God, like if, if I have to think about that thing that happened from, you know, the past or something like that, right. Like just even, you know, having a bit of a, you know, I guess an awareness that, that, you know, that does happen often too, right. That we don't get to choose kind of the menu of, you know, all the things that can kind of appear. Right. And so even just like, you know, having that, that openness, that compassion, that, you know, even though this might be something that is kind of tricky or sticky for me, can I make space for it? Can I breathe into it? You know, like, or is that going to just friggin' throw me, <laughs> totally throw me off and like cause me to kind of spin and spiral. Right. Cause that's, a, you know, my bias is usually that's what happens is if something kind of shows up or somebody gets reminded about something, they don't feel like they have the resources, right. Like that's when people can have, you know, I don't like to, I don't ever use the term like bad trip, but it can be, you know, more, more challenging. Right. And, the other side of that is that we know that just because something is difficult, just because it's challenging, just because it's uncomfortable, doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it is what it is. And you just have to be able to kind of work through it. Right. Like so much of healing isn't this always this lovely, easy process. Sometimes it's, it is a bit more difficult too. Right. So um, yeah. And I think just, you know, kind of red flags, you know, I think I always get people to sort of think about, you know, is it the right time for them? You know, and, and one of the things we know that can happen with um, people that are new to psychedelic experience um, or even people that are, you know, pursuing, you know, just kind of, you know, healing or therapy or, you know, spiritual, you know, information or something like that is there's a little bit of like, 
I found this whole world and now I'm going to totally reorder my life. Like I'm going to quit my job I'm going to leave my partner. I'm going to move to somewhere else. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to redo the whole thing. And so there's a little bit of caution of like, you know, just go, go slow. Don't make any really big decisions, you know, right after, um, you know, just, just give yourself some time. Like healing is a, is a process, not an event. Right. So, um, just, just kind of make sure that it's kind of the the right place and time for you. Um, you know, if there are things that come up, you know, that you figure that you need to pursue afterwards, just, you know, just kind of be, be sort of easy about that. Like you don't have to flip your whole life, you know, kind of right away as soon as, you know, a week after your ayahuasca journey or something like that. Right. Cause definitely we, we see that a lot. Um, I think the other things too is, you know, just like red flags. I mean, I think it's still important to talk about, um, you know, the sourcing of medicines and things like that. I mean, definitely, you know, whether you're looking at um, cannabis or psilocybin or MDMA or whatever, um, I mean, we're still talking about things that are under the umbrella of, um, you know, kind of a, you know, things that are, that are still on the down low or things that are maybe not legalized, you know, there's still all the things we have to deal with around, um, you know, kind of drug safety. So just making sure that if there's something that you're ever going to try that you, you know, have kind of done your research about where the source is from. And if you're ever using anything to do with, you know, that's, that's kind of like a, a powder substance or anything like that, that you are testing that beforehand um, that's a, you know, really basic sort of a safety thing just around, you know, kind of, um, the use of substances, um, and because things can happen too, right. Whereas people don't, they're maybe not familiar with, you know, just kind of needing to make sure that things are, um, kind of safe, right. Too. So, um, and, um, yeah. And I think, you know, just if you are going to, um, try anything or, you know, that you really have had conversations with people that you're with and that you have, um, it's always a good idea to have kind of like a, an emergency contact or a backup person that if you needed to reach out to somebody, um, you know, during afterwards, you know, you needed to talk about something that comes up, just somebody that can kind of check in on you kind of for aftercare. That's always a really, really good idea. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, just being aware of that part about um, if, you know, somebody's offering something, whether it's, <clears throat> you know, a, a circle, you know, like a, an, uh, some kind of, um, you know, workshop or, a, you know, a ceremony or something like that, that you ask, you know, you ask questions and, um, you know, you kind of also like kind of trust your gut too. I know that sort of sounds like, you know, kind of gray, but, you know, I was gonna say there's a real value to it though, too. Yeah. Really. If something feels off, sit with that. Um, and don't, don't just dismiss it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Right. And, And I think even just, yeah, just that, like what we talked about earlier about, you know, would you trust that person with these various, you know, kind of pieces, right. Um, and, uh, you know, just knowing that there's a lot of different options out there right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's something I think it's good to, <laughs> how do you know what's for you until you kind of like go out and try it sort of things or there, you know, sometimes I say to people like, we don't really know what's going to happen, you know, like even in any kind of 
healing or personal work or whatever type of thing. It's like, until you try out, you know, whatever it is, like maybe a yoga retreat or, you know, holotropic breath work or, you know, some shamanic work or whatever, like you don't go and try the things, right. Go and see what's for you. And, um, and then evaluate afterwards, like, you know, is that for me? Does that feel okay? Did that resonate? Is it making, does it make me want to make some changes in my life type of thing? Right. Um, but just like with anything, like the whole, you know, health and healing field, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of options. There's some people that are decent practitioners that, you know, are really aware and are, you know, careful and ethical. And then there's people that just want to make a buck, right. Too. Cause they, that's what they need too. Right. Um, yeah. And just the, having that, yeah. Awareness of kind of the buyer beware type of thing. These are all such great points. Um, and, and the making of bucks interesting is because I, again, we're at this stage where I think, you know, a, a lot of the people we've met along this journey, there are a lot of people who want to do this full time and be in this space full time and receive appropriate energy exchange for that, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, if I, you know, they want to be able to fully devote themselves to helping people heal and to wake up and whatever. But um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's something I'm, it's, I guess the money thing gets kind of hard for me in a way, because it's like, I want people to be able to, to, um, to live in this space and to, and to work in it if they feel called to do it. And it's something that they want to do and even not to feel called to if they just want to do it, you know? Um, and same time, if, if people are in it, just there's an exploitation thing too, that can happen, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like everybody gets, you know, in different ways, shapes and forms, you know, you bring money into it and sometimes it's just like, you know, it gets a bit weird. right? <laughs> so, so I think even just getting like, you know, people need to be really clear about like what, what the service is, what that exchange is, you know, to like, even just how somebody has a conversation about that, like, or, you know, if, if people are offering something for free, you know, like, you know, is, is that okay? Is that okay for the person offering it? Is that okay for the person receiving it? Um, you know, and also kind of being aware of like, what is the dynamic? Is it a peer dynamic where you're kind of like on equal ground or is it like a you know somebody that has some kind of training or something and, and you're the, the the client or the guest right and then there's all kinds of things obviously that happen with that when there is that more of you know kind of a power differential right um or is it just like a community of people that are all kind of helping each other out you know or you know kind of taking turns kind of you know, all kind of walking up the mountain together type of thing. Right. Like, so, so the context of that is, uh, is, 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 you know, special too, right. Like just understanding, um, you know, kind of roles and connections and things like that. Cause that, that kind of dictates things in a different way too, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, this has been such a good conversation. I'm just <laughs> loving it. Um, anything else you feel like would be important for people to know about this? Um, well, I think it's, you know, I'm really big on, uh, the community piece and, you know, if, um, you know, there's lots of people to reach out to, I think there's, you know, again, pros and cons of, you know, the, the global (laughs) village kind of thing. Right. But, um, you know, if somebody's, you know, has, has more questions, there's just a lot of resources and, you know, talk to other people, ask other people, if you're considering doing something, you know, like really have, 
some sort of methodology about like screening people, you know, for yourself, if you're, you know, considering, um, you know, a, a practitioner or, you know, even sitting with a friend or something like that, like just, you know, I just encourage people to be really thoughtful and, and to kind of do a little bit of homework, you know, kind of beforehand and then, you know, make sure that you're, you know, trying to either participate in or, or create, you know, some kind of community where these conversations can keep happening. Cause my bias too, is like when somebody starts to kind of, you know, investigate themselves, you know, a little bit more deeply, it's like, it's, it's not a one and done. Right. So it's like, how do we, you know, keep, um, you know, generating and engaging these kind of, you know, conversations within communities. So nobody feels like they have to sort it all out by themselves. Yeah, and I think there's a good time to plug ours, our community. So we have a, a Mighty Networks community um, that, you know, we do integration circles. You can get go there for support. It's just such a cool community, you know, of ex-Mormons that getting together. And, uh, and we also have a Facebook community, which isn't as intimate, but it's at least a place where you can ask questions and feel supported. And uh, we have a couple meetups coming up, one in uh, LA. It'll come out, I guess that'll be after. This episode will come out after that one, but we have a meetup in Salt Lake. I think this episode will come out before then on um, March 26th. So just, you know, meeting, yeah, meetups with people, right? Uh, and community and support and integration. You know, we talk about having, the, the cool thing about, I guess, the internet is we're able to connect people like we couldn't before, right? Where you can find mm-hmm. people. If you don't know people in your area, like, you can find the support and the help you need um, during this process, whatever process you're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. And just that whole thing about, uh, you know, that, uh, yeah, nobody needs to necessarily do it alone and and realizing that, uh, you know, even though there are some sort of special situations and, you know, kind of different things about different people that um, whatever you're kind of dealing with, you're generally not the first human to walk the face of the earth that's been struggling with that or had to kind of you know navigate something right too. So just to be able to connect with others and get advice in you know whatever way that needs to be is so important. So um, where can people find you? Um, yeah, so uh, people can contact me through my website, which is uh, www.soulcompass.info uh, or email, uh, which is um, soulcompass at shaw.ca. I'm sure you guys will put the links on there, but yeah, yeah if people have you know, questions. I also, you know, whether it's, you know, they're interested in, in chatting or connecting, but I also know a lot of other people, you know, in the, in the larger community that, you know, support people in various different ways too. So sometimes when people uh, inquire, depending on what they're looking for, I also can help, you know, kind of refer out to other possibilities type of thing too. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Tarzi, I love your vibe. I just have such a, you're so articulate, but you have such just like a wise, gentle, loving, fun vibe. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, I've been talking about this stuff for a long, long time and it's pretty cool to see, you know, the evolution of it too, from, you know, where it was back when, you know, not a lot of people were talking about it other than the, you know, the hippies at the festivals type of thing. And then now where it's like, you know, so I just find it very, you know, it's, it's a pretty big honor to share, you know, some of the knowledge that I have, the, you know, couple things that I think I maybe know, you know, and just because, uh, 
you know, there's things that um, people can probably use and, you know, just kind of uh, gain that knowledge for themselves. Right. Too. So, yeah. And thanks for just having your podcast and all the things that you're doing to help the humans as they're sorting things out along the way too. Uh, well, we love doing it. I mean, this is, uh, it's just been the, it's been the highlight. How do I say it? It's been amazing. It's been fucking amazing. And the best part about it is meeting fucking amazing people like you. <laughs> that's what I love. If you ever come yeah. to Utah, I mean, I'm in Los Angeles, but like if you ever come down to Utah, you should come to our solstice event. You should talk to me. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, and it's, well, it's funny too. Cause you know, there's obviously some of the people that I know that are, you know, that you guys have had your meetups and things like that too. So you never know now it's not as weird to travel back and forth between Canada and the U S and yeah, you, you never know. It'd be cool to, you know, eventually meet in person at some point because it sounds yeah. like you guys have a pretty neat scene down there. So, I mean, I think it's in our future. It's going to happen. It's just, it's, yeah. just, it's just the timing of when, you know, but time and time is an illusion. What is time? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Really appreciate you coming on and doing this. All right. Well, thanks. Okay. And right. uh, yeah, have a good one. All right. Have a lovely night. Okay, bye. bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. We have so much fun recording it. And if you love it, we would absolutely love it if you could leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts. It would really help our visibility so more people can listen to it and be enlightened and hear our crazy stories. So thanks again for tuning in. Bye.